Welcome to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. They rush four. Herbert, plenty of time, throws across the middle, batted up, intercepted, and Stanford stages a stunning comeback victory at Oxen Stadium. Unbelievable football game just wrapped up at Oxen Stadium. Sound off right now, 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575. You know what? One more for good measure, 503 503- Four one seven seventy five seventy five. Tweet at one zero two nine. The game. Tweet at Chudanubi. What just happened? What just happened? What just happened? Twenty four to seven at halftime. Stanford comes all the way back. Pylon gate. Fumble with three minutes left. Touchdowns. Field goals. Overtime, interceptions. Duck fans, you have to be sick to your stomach after this game. Sick to your stomach after this game. This was supposed to be the signature win. This was supposed to be the signature Heisman moment for Justin Herbert, who played his heart out, by the way. If it wasn't for his damn center and his damn running back, This was supposed to be the moment. What just happened? Neil Lomax. You going to bring me in? (laughs) What just happened, man? Get out of your little timeout. Come over. Well, um, I don't know where to start. Uh, You start off right. I I start with quarterbacks um, because that position, and I played it, they get way too much blame for a loss. And this guy, Justin Herbert, should not get any blame whatsoever, especially the last tip ball that was picked. His only interception of the game. And I say, tell you what, Costello, K.J. Costello uh, played a stellar game. We expected that. Um, I hate to say I told you so. I'm not, the, the turnover turnover in the last possession, the turnover in the fourth quarter. If you want to rewind us and go two and a half out, four hours ago, um, I'm not saying I told you so because I've been totally wrong and making predictions. I thought Stanford was the better team. Now, they were in the second half. I don't know where you start to pick apart this debacle in the second half because at the end of that second half, when you get a sack by Justin Hollins, who I love, he's Charles Haley, and it's 24 to 7. I said, game over. Was I totally wrong? I don't know where to start either, man. <laughs> I don't. So that was, the end of the, that was the end of the second half. That was the end of the first, first half, yeah. Right. Strip then- sack. He's nailed him, nailed Costello, great stop, halftime, all the mojo, wow. all the energy, and then, man, it started. 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575. Let's make sure our phone lines are up and, and going, too, because we already got calls coming in. Oh, my goodness. To Palo Alto we go. Oh, I wonder how this call is going to go. Jack in Palo Alto. What's up, Jack? Hey, man, I'm a big Duck fan. It's... Like, I had to get out of the house that I was watching the game at because I was surrounded by Stanford fans, and they were laughing and joking. I, I, 
I can't believe that pylon call. That was a touchdown if I've ever seen one. I I I. I, I I can't. I, I can't agree with you more. Got to pay for that cell service, then, by the way, Jack. They're yeah. Palo Alto. <laughs> Too many trees. Jack, that was a crazy call, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was a crazy call, and then that just started the momentum for Stanford. It felt like as soon as that call, and then it was the snap, the fumble, and then they were off to the races, and it was all of a sudden a game, and. I got to shout out the Oregon defense and the Oregon offense for doing a great job. But, geez, Stanford beat us again, and they beat us at home, and they came back to do it, and I'm going to be hearing that for weeks. I can't believe that that just happened. Jack Palo Alto, thanks for the phone call. You're exactly right. Stanford again, Neil. Stanford again. We talked about it in the pregame show. Mm -hmm. 2012, they came in as 20-point underdogs to Marcus Mariota's freshman year with the the, uh, Oregon Ducks, upset the Ducks with that Zach Ertz quote-unquote touchdown at the end, and they won that game in overtime. Here we go, 24-7 end of the first half, and here come the Cardinal roaring back. But there's no question, there's no question in my mind at least, that uh, this was the play of the game by, ironically, a Portland native. As the Ducks, after the C.J. Verdell pylon call, are at the goal line. High snap again, Herbert stumbling around, can't pick it up in the corner of the off and running. Alfieri, the Oregon native is going to scoop and score to give the Cardinal life. Enormous, enormous replay review that took the touchdown off the board, and now it's the Cardinal defense that finds the end zone. Wow. Joey Alfieri from Jesuit High School taking off on an 80-yard fumble return touchdown. Changed the momentum of this game and ended up getting into uh, overtime, but not before Stanford kept on chipping away. Love. Through the middle, Bryce Love, hitting the end zone, just dances in, finally they signal touchdown. The Duck defense, you know, I thought that they were going to be able to stand up, keep this lead because of this fourth down. In the backfield, handoff, no, he didn't get there. All those big bodies, all those pounds, they couldn't move the pile, and the Ducks defense makes a huge stop. And... Oregon still needed to convert fourth downs, and they did that. And a mix-up. And now the quarterback rolling around. Herbert flips it. It's Mitchell. Mitchell has a first down. Mitchell has a touchdown. That was with like four minutes left in the game. You thought it iced it. They ended up calling him down at the one. Oregon would punch it in anyway. The short yardage guy. He's behind Herbert. He's got the football. And all he does is score touchdowns. Six carries this season, five touchdowns. And no more of that diamond formation, craziness. Pistol, line it up, give it to the back, let him go right behind that line that's been doing a great job tonight. At that point, I can't believe this game. At that point, it was 31-21 to Ducks lead with 439 left in the game. You're up by 10 with four and a half minutes left. (sighs) 
Neil, have you ever been a part of a game like this where you had a big lead at the end and then ended up losing? Well, I, I wouldn't call that a big lead. I mean, in college football, it, so, it sort of is. I remember one game we had against the, the Eagles. We were up by, I think, 24. <laughs> we are up by 24 going into the third uh, after we scored and at halftime, and they came back, actually beat us. That's the only NFL game I mean, being down by 24. We were actually down uh, in a Tampa Bay game by 27 and one of the biggest comebacks ever and ended up winning that game 31-28, to 28. Uh, overcoming 20, 27 points. Who was the but quarterback? But never, never, never in call. What's that? Who was your quarterback? Well, what do you mean who was the quarterback? <laughs> you know who the Tampa Bay quarterback was? And what year is this? This is 1985. Orange sickle jerseys? <laughs> Steve DeBerg. Steve DeBerg. Steve DeBerg. No before kidding. they got there. Wow. Uh, but, it, the, you know, again, what do you, what do you pick this whole ugly meal apart uh, the salad, the, the the main dish, whatever. It, but there's so many mojo changes, so many momentum changes that you can go through. And you and I were sitting there, though. I thought Marcus Arroyo had a great game plan. This first half was the perfection. I mean, you can't ask Justin Herbert to be more consistent, more precise, more accurate. I mean, a guy, he was, what, 11 for 12? 11 for 12, 180 yards, and no mistakes whatsoever. But you did have, here's what, that the pylon gate started it. And you and I were sitting there watching the game, Judah. Remember, I said, NFL, we watched too many NFL games. I mean, that's a touchdown. That's what I thought. That's a touchdown. But you did. You looked up the rule, correct? I did. I looked up and the rule. And we officially looked at it, and it said what? It says if a player is out of, or if a player touches the pylon, then he is officially out of bounds. Which, and, where, where, and where the ball is. What, what position the ball is. The ball yeah. is. So exactly. the position of this ball was like maybe the one-yard line. Yeah. Okay, maybe the one-yard line. And then we get the bad mesh, the bad mesh. The yep. mesh means the, the handoff. I don't know if it's really it was Justin's fault at that part or Habibi Lakio was it his fault as he ran in to the the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But they have that. And then the Hanson snap. But earlier in the game, if you recall, I put a little note down here that it was twenty-one to seven, and they're driving. Oregon's driving. This is two thirty. Left in the half. They had a great drive going. It's 21-7. They're going to score again. He makes a great third down. I mean, how many third down and eight and third down and 10 and third down and 12 conversions did Justin Herbert and Dylan Mitchell make in the first half? They were incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable. So they're kind of going down there, and all of a sudden, Hanson rolls one back, which I've never seen all year. Rolls one back. Justin's come on his heels. He goes down. Everybody's got ah, no big deal. It's a big deal because they, they only get a field goal. So instead of 31 to seven, it's twenty-four to seven, and to me that kind of set the tone of uh-oh, what might happen in the second half. Well, at the same time, at the same time, did it not feel like when the Duck defense stopped him on fourth and inches, ball game, that that was going to be the ball game? And this is the, is this the physicality we were talking about, or Mario Cristobal, Coach Cristobal was talking about, and we've been hearing all week. Can we? Can we? Can Oregon match Stanford's quote? Physicality, the big boys up front, right? Offensive line, defensive line. Blah, 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 blah. Well, Stanford cannot match the speed. You saw that, folks. You watching the game? There's no way they matched up with the speed of Oregon defensively and offensively. That's why the mismatch to me, Oregon felt like they could have scored 40, 50 points on these guys without these miscues. It, just the little miscues there. And I hate to say it, I talked about it four hours ago. The turnovers and there's two huge turnovers in the second half cost Oregon the game. You said in our pregame show that 
the fourth quarter turnover would decide this one. Little did we know, C.J. Verdell, inexperienced back at the end. All he needs is a first down, and it looked like he was going to be right on the marker on a second down rush, by the way, not even third down, second down rush. So no need to try to stretch out for anything more. But credit Stanford's defense, they're always well coached, and they – Came in swiping for the football and they punched it out. But Neil, that's inexcusable, right? Yeah, that, and yeah, both hands up. But here's the question at the press conference. I'm, I'm waiting for the. You're going to get it because you're the snap programming manager that you are, and the technical savvy guy that you are, and all the <laughs> the staff that we have here. We, I mean, we spare no expense. That's right. No expense. All at hands all. on deck. I mean, my God, like there's, there's 30 people in here after this game. They get <laughs> but Mario Cristobal is going to take a lot of heat for this. There was one timeout left, though. There, Stanford did have one timeout. There's a time management issue here. If you do take a knee, if you do the math on it, maybe there might have been 15 seconds left. Maybe. Uh, so we'll see what he says about that. But, man, it's so easy to sit back here and say, oh, you should take a knee, you should take a knee when you, know, you get a first down, game over. And they didn't. And give Stanford, like you said, give Stanford credit. Came in there. Uh, I think it was Sean Burton, too, came in and knocked that ball out, recovered it. Great play. Yeah, I can't. I'm still struggling to find out exactly what just happened and and try to make sense of this. If you're doing the same thing, you can call in at 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575. Just emote. If you're a Beaver fan, you can emote. You know, if you're hating on the Ducks, if you're a Doug fan, you can emote. What just happened? I mean, how are you feeling after this game? Can you put into words how you're feeling after this football game? Can you put it into words? Because this was supposed to be the turnaround for the Ducks. This was supposed to be Justin Herbert's moment. You know what? It was supposed to be the fans' moment. This was supposed to be the fans' moment. Where they could put their finger on it and be like, this is the game that we turned it all around. This is the game where we took a 7th-ranked Stanford team to the woodshed and we turned our program around. Instead, what they're saying, it's Alamo Bowl 2013 all over again. Remember Doug Brenner in that game? One of the nicest guys in the world. Local kid. Couldn't snap the ball back. Jesuit High School. He's a, he's good good friend of my, my son, Mitch. I remember that game. They were very good friends. And, you know, they hate to say it. Every time you talk about an offensive lineman or the center or the kicker or the, or the long snapper, it's usually when they make a mistake, it's a holding call or a bad snap. And I guarantee you what, you know, Jake Hansen is feeling worse than anybody tonight, but I guarantee you the first guy that's going to over, go over to him, give him a hug, and tell, man, it's not about you. It wasn't just you. It's a whole team. It's going to be Justin Herbert. And that's why statistics don't win football games. Folks, this this stud kid who showed the nation that he probably is one of the best quarterbacks ever, the play to this year, I mean, not let's just go back way, way, way back. Just so far this year, Justin Herbert deserves to be talked about two or three of the top quarterbacks in the nation. I mean, 26 for 33, 246. He did everything. He was a facilitator, the field general, very calm. It was just some mistakes up front. That, I thought that was a great call. I said it when I saw it. Marks Royal, that reverse call was awesome. They could have scored. That's NFL, that's a touchdown. But then you can't punch it in from that one-foot line, one-yard line. That's going to haunt them for a long, long time. But, man, I tell you what, I'm going to give – a lot of credit to Justin for hanging in there and doing the, what he does best, and that's find the open receiver. And I'll tell you what, I think Dylan Mitchell was open a few times tonight. 14 catches, 239 yards. Unbelievable performance by that young man. 
503-417-7575. Give me one word of how you're feeling. That's it. Just one word. <laughs> I mean, angry. Josiah Carrera spinning it behind the glass for us tonight. Josiah, University of Oregon grad, a diehard Duck fan. He came in here with his Marcus Mariota jersey on. Josiah, how are you feeling right now, my man? I am depressed, <laughs> just to say it. Uh, I was telling you before, it's been nice the last two years before this because the Ducks haven't been in games like this. It's been, the stress has gone away and the stress just completely came back tonight and uh, that was a gut punch for sure. We'll have uh, Mario Cristobal's post-game press conference as soon as uh, it, it begins and you get the reaction from the Duckhead coach. How do you feel Mario Cristobal did tonight? Well, he's going to be criticized and maybe blamed for the last you know, minute and a half. Justly? And, and I'd like to hear what he says about that because, again, the clock management, when you have Stanford one timeout, and if you do take a knee in that 25-second clock, the play clock, uh, I don't know exactly the math. It was going so fast. You know, I'd like to hear from him. Now, I'm going to give head coaches the credit. Again, is he, you hold on the ball, the fumble doesn't happen, et cetera. Here, here's, here's a bigger picture, though, folks, and we'll, we'll dissect it in many ways. Justin Herbert never played a fourth quarter so far. You played three home games against, let's, let's face it, the quality of opponents. <laughs> you know, you're playing high school, that's a 2A, you know, 2A, 3A. It's subpar opponents for three weeks, right? I'm, I'm, we've been, right. I've been very, very blatant about that. So here you are now. Now you get a ball game, and you finally got to play a ball game in the second half, second, you know, the fourth quarter. And these guys have not been in the fourth quarter yet this year. Did that play a big part of it? So that should be that should be criticized, should be looked at. Is that something you should do down the road now? But in your fourth home game, your fourth home game, this should not have happened, obviously. But that's something I'm I'd like to discuss with Mario Cristobal and the staff. Is would you do this again? Uh, schedule three cupcakes before you play. A top 10, top 20 team? I'm just throwing it out there. Oregon literally could have knelt the clock and got it down to 15 seconds left in the game instead of running C.J. Verdell. Okay, so that was the math. That was the math. Okay. I'm looking at it right With now. With the one timeout Stanford had. Yep. Makes you, makes you wonder, Neil. Ouch. It makes you wonder. Uh, 503-417-7575. 503-417-7575. Your thoughts on this game just getting started. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Josiah Carrera, get out of the depression just for one update. Just for one update, and then you can go back. He's got an update coming up. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show on the game. Welcome to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Costello has time. Looks for the end zone. Jump ball. Deflected. Caught. Touchdown, Parkinson. They rush four. Herbert, plenty of time, throws across the middle, batted up, intercepted, and Stanford stages a stunning comeback victory at Oxen Stadium. One word to describe your emotions right now, Duck fans, at 503-417-7575. Angry? Confused? Disappointed? You know how parents always say to their children when they make a mistake, I'm not mad. 
I'm just disappointed. Not that I know anything about parenthood, but got a parent and a uh, a grandfather across from me right now. He also <laughs> happens to be a college football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax. Judah Newby here with you on the Oregon College Football Post Game Show as Stanford somehow erases a 24 to 7 halftime deficit to come back and shock the Oregon Ducks in overtime, 38 to 31 at Autzen Stadium. Neil, how should Duck fans be feeling after this one? Well, you better be pretty pissed off. You should. I mean, God, heck yeah. I mean, how well they played in that first half, and then things just went south. Literally, I mean, again, the bad snap, the the pylon gate, that rule, and then. But you give again, I look at okay, Joey Alfieri scoops and scores from eighty, so that puts it at twenty four fourteen. But then it's still th- it's two thirty left in the third quarter. Okay, still it's a lot of time. Ducks go three and out in three plays. Stanford goes down. Costello hits Irwin for a beautiful 30-yard gain, and they go Bryce Love off tackle for 20. So with a minute 40, Stanford scores. So all of a sudden, you go from 24-7 to 24-21 into third quarter. That's the shocker right there. So in a period of five and a half minutes, you go from leading 24-7 to 24-21, 14 unanswered points to start the fourth quarter. Wow. Momentum finally changed. And we talked about, the, and Jordan Kent talked talked about this, electricity in the first quarter, game day, the, the you know, the duck, mascot, Hall of Fame, cheerleaders, Phil Knight, whatever, whatever, the Harley Davidson, music, rock star, smoke. Okay, that went away in about three quarters, right? Yep. The game started. And I think right there, that's when the game, ball game, fourth quarter, and to start of the fourth quarter, folks, Ducks went three and out. Three and out. Covered sack. Stanford had fourth and one, though, with 13 minutes left. I think you're going to play this. 13 minutes left. Stanford has fourth and one, and the Oregon Duck defense stopped them. That's when I thought, wow, that's great for you guys. Coach LeVette, that was awesome. That defense stopped them. You guys did it. You're going to win this football game. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, well, here's how that sounded. In the backfield. Handoff. No! All those pounds, they couldn't move the pile, and the Ducks defense makes a huge stop. I mean, at some point, it just feels like karma is against the Ducks. It just feels like it. I mean, Stanford went to their bread and butter, Neil. We were both looking there. We looked at each other on fourth and inches and said, what's Stanford going to do? They got to go phone booth. They got yeah, they had five guards in or six yeah. guards. And by the way, you love watching the guards. I do. They had, they had more 50s and 60s in the backfield than I've ever seen, and they... Give Jim Levette, Joe Salavea, defensive coaches, they had a plan to stop Stanford in the third and ones, fourth and ones. They did. And that was a huge momentum change. But they got a fourth and one stop. And then Ducks came right back. Third and five, huge play to score that uh, uh, Herbert made. And it's 10 minutes left now in the, in the fourth quarter. And then fourth and one, you got to give the Ducks credit. Again. It's fourth and one. And the Ducks go for it. Don't kick a field goal. Great play action there with Justin Herbert. If you remember, Dylan Dylan Mitchell slips out, throws him. It should have been a touchdown. His knee went down, though. But a great call. So I give credit again. Marcus O'Royo, great call there. Ducks punching in. So now 31-21 with 3-10 left. Mm. Well, and then, so you get to that point. And here's, I think, the issue that Duck fans are going to take issue with, and I think rightly. We talked about it in the pregame show. David Shaw has won 76 games with Stanford, the most winningest coach in Stanford program history. 
and they had the trivia question. Did you see this today? Who's number two on Stanford's all-time winningest list? <laughs> Pop. Was that Pop Warner? Pop Warner. <laughs> <laughs> Named after all the youth football in the entire nation, all the Pop Warner teams. So you got David Shaw's won more games than Pop Warner. But what has Mario Cristobal done yet? Nothing as a Power 5 head coach. This is his first Power 5 conference game. And I think, though there are points where I was impressed with him, he he has warranted criticism from this game. There's no other way around it. Well, and I think he'll accept that. When we, we hear the, the, he the, the post game, yeah. he will. He's that kind of a coach. He's that kind of guy. He's been around. You're around Coach Saban at Alabama. You're around last year. He is going to accept all the responsibilities. You always deflect praise. But you accept criticism, and this guy will do that. He will. I I I'll bet my, not my house. I'll, I'm just telling you, the guy that I know, what I've heard from him, and what he says about other people, he's always deflecting praise. He doesn't accept that. He will take the blame. It's on him. Uh, there was a couple game management there ones about taking a timeout. They were a little confused. A couple of them there. Stanford's ready to blitz on one certain situation. That fourth and one, by the way, he called a timeout. He did, and they had to regroup. They came back, and what a great change of play call with a little fake play action, and they had the fourth and one and made it 15 yards to Dylan Mitchell. So that was him making a great time out there. That's true. They, they were rushed. So there's some things people don't really know about what he did, and that might be Marcus Arroyo up top saying, hey, coach, we need a timeout. need a timeout. We're in the wrong situation, wrong personnel. They're going to blitz. And that's what we don't really know about. But when I see things, that's what I kind of see is, okay, that was a game I mean, a split-second decision he had to make right then to make sure he had a timeout. Oh, we'll hear from Mario Cristobal coming up shortly on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. This was David Shaw right after the win. Uh, Coach, you said that going on the road and getting a win requires maturity. What kind of poise was displayed by your team tonight? Well, first of all, none in the first half. Um, We didn't do our jobs very well in the first half. All I told him at halftime is don't be surprised in the middle of the fourth quarter if it's a tight game. If we just do our jobs and play well. And I tell you what, our running back is special. We didn't play well enough up front, but if he gets enough opportunities, he's going to make special plays. And second of all, I think Justin Herbert is phenomenal. Phenomenal. But I got to say this, our young quarterback, he's pretty special too. Absolutely. There were a lot of key plays in this one. The scoop and score, having to drive down in 46 seconds to get in field goal range. What stands out to you as the turning point in this game? So we talk so much about believing. And not just believing just to believe, but believing in the work, believing in the effort, believing in the passion that we have for each other. Joey Alfieri, the, sec- the second time in a row he's played up here, he makes a big game sa- game-changing play. That was the turning point. That's when that belief went from this big to this big. And guys said, you know what, let's just play our offense, let's play our defense, let's play our special teams, and go out there and see what happens. They trust each other, they believe in each other, and we played really, really hard. And I got to say one more thing to my brother Eric, I love you. All right. Coach loves you, Eric. Guys. Hard not to be impressed with David Shaw. 503-417-7575. This is the Oregon College Football Post Game Show on 1029-750 The Game. Jude Danube and Neil Lomax are with you here following that shocking duck loss. 38-31 in overtime. And I say shocking. I'm getting reaction on Twitter right now. And, uh, you know, Neil, I just did a video with you in our last commercial break. Right. And you gave your reaction. People are responding to that right now at 1029 The Game. Uh, Suzanne Weiser called, checks in on Twitter saying, What is shocking about this loss? Stanford is ranked number seven. I'm a Duck fan. It's not the end of the world. So on some level, I get that. Yeah, Stanford's ranked number seven. 
24 to 7 at halftime, 31 21 with four minutes left. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, well, the rankings are inconsequential because it's so early. You don't, you don't really play anybody. So Stanford played USC, uh, got a good victory at home there, barely got by San Diego State. Okay, then played UC Davis. And the number everybody's got to realize about you when they played UC Davis and Stanford, UC Davis on the farm, here's the number you got to understand 3.45. 3.4. That's the average, great point average. Of every player on that team on that on that field, so think that yeah, it's not the end of the world, but it's too early to know. Stanford, we didn't know where Stanford's kind of stood. We didn't know where Oregon stood, and now we found out when two really good teams get together, it's two halves of football. Oregon dominated the first half, and my feeling is Oregon gave away the second half. Yeah, Stanford made some great plays. They had composure. Coach Shaw's right. They believed. They did believe, but. Stanford wanted a little more, held their composure, end up making a big play. And again, in this game of football, tell you, whoever turns the ball over more, especially in the second half of the fourth quarter, is going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. Bryce Love ended up playing pretty well in this game. You know, they had him corralled for about a half of football, it seemed. Like, he couldn't really get go- going. He ends up finishing 19 for 89. That's 4.7 and a touchdown, of course, with 22-yard run mixed in there. You know, Bryce Love... Look, David Shaw gave him some credit there in the postgame. And even though he didn't have eye-popping numbers, Neil, it still felt like the running game for Stanford, when they needed it, it came through for him. Did it feel like that to you? Yeah, and he also caught uh, one huge pass at the end there for nine yards. He had that little shallow, we call it an angle route, that that set up the field goal to tie to go to overtime. That was Bryce Love making that little angle play. But, you know, those are pedestrian numbers. I mean, 19 carries, you know, for 90 yards. Yeah, it's a 4.7 average. One touchdown. He had a 22-yard run for his longest. Very pedestrian. But total yardage, they had, you know, three sacks on K.J. Costello. So total rushing yards. I mean, total rushing yards, only 71 yards. Right. So, yeah, he gave a lot of credit to Bryce Love because he stayed. And you got to throw him a bone. Give him a, give him a little pot, lollipop for that. I don't think he was the biggest difference. To me, it's tied in you. I kept telling you guys that. JJR said a white side. It's Parkinson. It's Caden Smith. Unbelievable. It's Trenton Irwin. Wow. It's the big bodies that can play three or four in the NBA. They can play positions three or four, probably not five, but they can play three <laughs> or four, you know, power forward, strong forward, and they body up and they go down the hash mark and they go down the numbers and they're going to jog down there and throw it up to him. And I told you, inside the 20, what are they going to do? Fade, fade, and fade. And that's what exactly they did. Steve's in Salem. What's up, Steve? Oh, man. I am a huge Doug fan, and I cannot believe the lack of ball control. I mean, come on. You're on the one-yard line, and not fumble it once, but you fumble it twice. Uh, Bad snap, man. That just, it kills you. It kills you. How do we do that? I, I, could, I wish I could tell you, man. You know, Steve makes an interesting point, and we talked about this a little bit, Judah, hate to cut in here, but no, we ahead. talked about when I was in the run and shoot, we were deciding to go shotgun or go under the center, and in the pros, uh, you're a shotgun team. You're, you're 99% shot, which Oregon is. They're, they're a total shotgun, pistol, we're behind the center. But a lot of times, though, when it is third and one, it's fourth and one, or in the one-yard line, it could be a detriment because you're back four and a half, five yards, and you got to get that center snap. A lot of times, you got a quarterback sneak. You got a certain play. We used to call it just dive. We'd say dive, 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 mm-hmm. even for a shotgun team. And you run up there, you get under the center. Justin Herbert takes the snap, or I would, and boom, you hit that A gap. Who can't dive for one? My God, he's six six. 
235. He can die for one yard. There are certain plays that we would use, even though we're a shotgun team. When I coach high school teams, we'd always have an under-the-center special play for fourth and one, third and one, automatic dive, automatic dive. You rush up there, you pinch the center, boom, you get that one or two yards. And I don't know, I don't know if Oregon has that in their arsenal or even think about that, but after those kind of bot snaps, I think you better think about it. 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575. This is the Oregon College Football Post Game Show on 102.9-750 The Game with Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. You can sound off with us right here. Before we go to break, let's uh, get the reaction from James, who's called in from Portland. James, how you feeling? Hey, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I say <laughs> Oregon was firmly in control of that game. You know, I, I said they went head-to-head with a physical football team in Stanford. They just need to learn how to close out games, how to win. But I, I'm very encouraged for Cristobal. I think he's got the program on track. I think he's going to bring that Alabama SEC style of football. They just got to learn how to win. They got to learn how to finish. And, um, you know, to me it's like Washington and everybody else this year. But I see Oregon coming. I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged. They, they lost, but, hey. The, the, the pack, there's not much separation between, you know, the rest of the Pac-10. I don't think so. You maybe have – you have Washington and what? You got – and Stanford, the mm-hmm. top two. But other than that, there's not much separation between the rest of the teams. You know, so I, I'm encouraged. Well, I could – are you a Duck fan, James? Yeah. That's yeah, my – I think for two and a half quarters, you, you had to have been thinking, if we were doing this to the seventh-ranked team in the country, what could we do against a top-five team, a top-four team? Couldn't, in the back of my head, and I'm not a duck diehard, but in the back of my head, and James, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I was looking at Oregon laying the wood to Stanford thinking they might win this game 40-20 to 20, and they might be a college football playoff team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, they, I, I, I think they're on the right track. Now, whether they finish at the end of the year, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, they let this game get away from them, but I, I see good signs, though. I, I think they can have a pretty good season in the, you know, who knows? They may, they may upset Washington. And uh, we don't know. It could be, it could be, so it could be a good game. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just encouraged from what I saw tonight. James in Portland says he's encouraged. I'm glad he's encouraged. I, I love I love these folks and fans that are encouraged. Okay, but again, it's not a high school team. You know, I would encourage if it's a high school team. This is a college team that had a lead twenty. It should have been thirty-one to seven on, on the I'm pylon saying. gate. It should have been the pylon. To the pylon seven. gate got him, man. That was a great. That was a great reverse to Jalen Red. I love that call. And they can't get it in from the one yard line. You have that thing go in. It's the end of the third quarter. You're thirty-one. It's ball game. But it doesn't happen. It didn't happen. So, I'm James, I'm glad you're encouraged. Go watch a lot of high school games and be encouraged by the high school kids. <laughs> these are these are college guys that should have executed a hell of a lot better than what they did, and they Oregon Ducks should have won this football game. That's the bottom line. They played way too um, – the first half? Are you kidding me? I'm encouraged about the first half. But that whole game, it's, that's why you play two halves, man. I admire James's – um, he's loyal. It's okay. He's, he's loyal. loyal. I love but, it. But here, the it's thing, all right. loyal fans right now are losing their minds. James is not losing his mind right now. He says he's encouraged. If there's one word a dog fan is feeling right now, it can't be encouraged, can it? It's got to be frustrated. This was the time. This was the moment. And you let it slip it through your fingers. 
503-417-7575. Stay in Portland and go out to Sam. What's up, Sam? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that this game, had they won this game, it would have catapulted them to great things. But I think this game is going to have a lasting effect on them. It's going to be a tough one to recover from. And they got out coached. I mean, I don't know why you don't take a knee at the end of the game. You just have to take a knee and you win the game. And, and they got out coached. And uh, I don't see them recovering from this. I don't see a lot of wins on the schedule moving forward. So there's nothing to be encouraged about with this. You had your chance and you let it slip away. I can't say I disagree. Now, I, I think there are wins to be had. Cal next week still scares the oh. life out of me, but okay, they're out of Oregon, you know, and Stanford's at Notre Dame. So don't don't say that we overlook yeah, to the next rival, opponent. It's a rivalry. That's game. a big game for them. And, oh, true. And I, I think Oregon could win out. I mean, what I saw from this offense, seriously, what I saw from this offense, besides some of the botched snaps from Hanson, I mean, this offense, like you said, it felt like it could score forty. There was, was they're on their way to score forty. They didn't botch that snap. That's Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. Just getting started on the Oregon College Football postgame show. Your reaction at 503-417-7575. More of it's coming up next. Ducks losing overtime. Costello looking that direction. Lost the end zone. Touchdown. Our Sega Whiteside again. 32 yards after the penalty to tie the game. Toner coolly knocks it through as the scoreboard reads triple zero, and we will have overtime in Austin. Costello has time, looks for the end zone, jump ball, deflected, caught, touchdown, Parkinson. They rush four. Herbert, plenty of time, throws across the middle, batted up, intercepted, and Stanford. Stages a stunning comeback victory at Oxen Stadium. ABC on the call. Welcome back into the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, and you at 503-417-7575. What a shocker. In some ways, indescribable. In others, the most describable thing in the world. Oregon choked in this football game. The 28th-ranked Ducks go down to the 7th-ranked Cardinal by a final in overtime of 38-31. to I just walked you through some of the critical plays there in the fourth quarter and overtime, including when it was a 31-21 to Duck lead, less than five minutes left in the game. Marching down the field goes Stanford. Costello to our Sega Whiteside for his second touchdown of the game. Ducks have the football moving back down the field. They need literally one more first down to ice the game. Burdell again, and he'll work hard to move the step. Ball's out. The ball came out. A fumble recovered by Stanford. Why is Oregon not kneeling the football there? You could argue that was the right play. They needed one first down to literally win the game, and Verdell was on the first down marker, and he just lost the football. He just lost the football. Credit Stanford for forcing it out and recovering, going down, Jet Toner kicking the field goal after the Ducks have an illegal substitution, lack of discipline, unless Oregon was trying to get away with that and do it intentionally. Tie the game, go into overtime, Stanford takes the ball first, 
I mean, this touchdown in OT, this is what makes me think karma is just against Oregon. Costello has time. Looks for the end zone. Jump ball. Deflected. Caught. Touchdown, Parkinson. Cody Parkinson making that one-handed <laughs> tip-it-to-yourself catch. I mean, and against D'Amador Lenore in the end zone. What do you do about that? Neil Lomax, what happened? I mean, but you, sh- you shouldn't be surprised they were doing it all game long. I mean, they're, they're, they're two by two, meaning they have uh, either J.J. or set of white side is on one hash. They had Caden Smith on the other hash mark. You had Kobe Parkinson on the numbers. Trenton Irwin was on the other numbers. So there's he's just throwing pretty much lob balls. I mean, you watch the velocity and the accuracy from a Justin Herbert. And I'm not taking anything away of, of from uh from KJ Costello. I mean, he had a, he had a great game. Looking at stats, you know, nineteen for twenty six, three hundred twenty seven yards, three touchdowns. But the balls they are throwing, the type of offense they have is let's throw it to the six four, six five guys. They're all beach volleyball players from someplace in Southern California tipping ball. I mean, that that's a tip ball. That could have been easily a pick. That could have been a completion. But Cody Parkinson tips the ball to himself. So give them some credit on making these plays, but the back shoulder, the the fade routes. I mean, JJ Arcida Whiteside's a little fade at the end. Tied. That was an amazing little three step juke inside. He had. He, I think it was Graham. He had Graham turned around big time. That was an easy throw there. So they were doing it all game. So don't be surprised. That's the play they had and executed it in overtime. 503-417-7575. How shocked are you at this duck loss, or are you not shocked at all? How disappointed are you at this Ducks loss, or are you encouraged? We had a caller calling earlier saying he was encouraged. He's a Duck fan, and he's encouraged. I, cu- I couldn't even believe that. How can you be encouraged after this? This was supposed to be the game that made you a great team and turn you into an elite team. That's what it was supposed to be. And in the end, so much has changed, so much has not. Stanford beats the Ducks in Autzen. And for the first time since 95 through 97, Stanford has beaten Oregon three straight years. It's been 20 years since that happened. As Mario Cristobal spoke moments ago. As hard as he was running, okay, uh, he, did, he, he, made a, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. The ball got away from his body um, when, you know, it didn't have to. And, um, but no one's going to point a finger at him. The whole locker room's going to love him up. Um, and we're going to have to build up his confidence again. It's because he's a really good football player, and we stick by our players. That was his reaction to C.J. Verdell fumbling. It's the right reaction as a coach, is it not, Neil? Well, sure, it's the right reaction. You're you're always going to support uh, your player, especially in college. And this guy's not getting four point five million dollars to, to carry the ball, and but I want him to answer the question about time management. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- why did you call a running player? Why did you and Marcus Royal decide to call the running play? Because it was going so fast, I couldn't quite do the math on the time. You know, you know, you and I are watching it here, going, "Okay, there's a minute twenty left. If you take the, they have one timeout. Okay, now it's a minute. Is it forty seconds? Is it twenty? You know, a lot of things are going in your mind, and they're running to play. So, I, I'm gonna give benefit to them. They, this is what they wanted to do. Um, but again, give credit to Stanford. They're the ones that forced the turnover. They did. It was either Sean Barton or Casey Tuhill that came in there and knocked the ball. I mean, I thought CJ had had it. Very well secured. I don't know if the ball got away from his body. I look at the film again. But, hey, Stanford made the play. Their defender came in and stripped it, and that's what they do in practice every day. I guarantee you. We do it in high school. For 10, 15-minute EDDs, everyday drills, there's a strip drill. 
There's a fumble drill. There's a scoop and score drill. This is something that just, oh, thank God it happened. They work on these things, and it happened. Well, I think that is the right argument to make in this in this sense. It was second and three at the Stanford 43. The ball was snapped with 51 seconds left in the game, and Stanford had one timeout. C.J. Verdell ran the ball three yards. I mean, it's a first down. If he's down, it's a first down. Mm-hmm. And he just lost the ball. So are you going to blame Mario Cristobal for that? I would understand it, but I would I would just say I think it's a touch reactionary. My, my question uh, is, though, uh, I'm going to ask Coach Cristobal, my question, would you do that again? Yeah. If you play next week against Cal, the exact same situation, okay, you're up by, that meant score the three, three points, 50 whatever seconds, and it's second down and three, what would you do? Yep. And well, that's, a, that's a fair question. Let's see if he gets asked that. Here's more of his press conference here. Two parts here, Mario. From a coaching standpoint on Jalen's run where he hits the pylon there, how do you teach that? Because on one hand, if he dives for it and it goes out, that's a touchback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's hard to say you must stay in bounds. I mean, the body's going that direction. So from a coaching standpoint, how do you try to correct that if you can? And not to belabor the point on the <laughs> second and three and the time there at the end, but mm-hmm. could you not have taken a safety set up a safety punt with less than 10 seconds to go and at least force him to have to go the whole field for a touchdown in less than 10 seconds. Uh, you could do a lot of things looking back on it. Uh, first thing with Jalen, you know, we watched the A&M clip a couple weeks ago when they reached out the ball and it popped out the back and ended up being a touchback for them. So, um, you know, I know we've, it's something that he'll tell you, we've, we've repped it, we've uh, done it, talked about it or whatnot. And then on the next play, we put in our best goal line uh our best goal line play, our most physical and powerful goal line play, and uh, the ball came off the hip of the of the running back, and then after that, you know, issue. So, um, and then in terms of uh, CJ was second and three, and we felt good about getting downhill to run, and so we did, and we need to keep working on protecting the ball. Uh, are there other ways to look at it? Yeah, you could look at it some other ways, but uh, you're going to have to punt, or you're going to have to get a first down. We decided to go with the first down, and so... I did. I can't blame him. That's um, I can't blame him. You had a choice between getting a first down and punting. You're a coach that's trying to instill your physical philosophy on a football team. Neil, you literally, you just told me as you were listening to that cut, the situation there, you had second and three, 53 seconds. No, the situation there is first and goal. So you put in your best goal line play because you need three yards, and they would have had it. Yeah. His player failed to execute. Yeah, yeah. That's It wasn't the reach the pylon. You reach the ball out. Yeah, it's a touchback. If you do lose the ball, it goes in the back of the end zone. We've seen that several times in college. That's the first, That's not the point. They had a first and goal, and they had the right personnel, the right call, and disaster happens. And you can look back go, they must practice those snaps Hundred, if not 150 times a day, but the pressure point you cannot practice is game situation. Lights are on. It's ABC fourth quarter. That's what you cannot duplicate. You cannot practice that. It's only game time situation. That's where experience comes in. And everybody talks about Coach Shaw. And I, I, I got to give him some credit here. He, him, his experience and his belief and his composure overall. You can see that permeated through their team. It really did. And that was pretty special. So it's going to take a while for Coach Cristobal to get that type of feeling and belief in his team. Might take a few years. I'll well, see that. That's what I kind of was worried about going into this game is even though I want to believe in Mario, and I think eventually you will, 
you can't ignore the fact that you are a first-year head coach of a Power Five, coaching in your first Pac-12 conference game, going up against a guy that's won more games at Stanford than anyone else. And at some point, that matters. At some point, that matters. College football can be unique in the sense that with athletes and schemes, it can take coach coaching and game management out of the equation because we see a lot of blowouts. But every once in a while, there are games where it's deep in the fourth quarter and you've got equal athletes and you've got equal strategy and you just have to make the right decision to get your team the win. David Shaw did. And I can't say the same for Mario Cristobal. And especially, let me interrupt you here, with the quarterback that you have. This this is arguably one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the nation. I don't care what the pro scouts say. I mean, the number one draft. I'm just telling you right now what I saw out of him this week and the last three weeks, uh, he is a special, special player. Oregon's had a few. Let's Let's face it, the quarterback, you, Oregon has had a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. But Justin Herbert's going to be the reason why they still have the possibility to win out because of how good he is. He was that well, good. He showed it, man. He was spinning it today. Spinning it. He still got back after all that confusion the fumble. It was still 31-21. 31-21 because of Justin Herbert bringing them back with three minutes and 40 seconds left. Up by 10. Well, we'll hear from Justin Herbert on the other side of this break. This is the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. You can call in at 503-417-7575. He's Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. This is 1029-750, the game. More of the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029-750, the game. You know, I know we've, it's something that he'll tell you, we've, we've repped it, we've uh, done it, talked about it or whatnot. And then on the next play, we put in our best goal line, uh, our best goal line play, our most physical and powerful goal line play. And uh, the ball came off the hip of the, of the running back. And then after that, you know, issue. So, um, and then in terms of uh, CJ was second and three, man, we felt good about getting downhill to run. And so we did. And we need to, keep working on protecting the ball. Uh, are there other ways to look at it? Yeah, you could look at it some other ways, but uh, you're going to have to punt or you're going to have to get a first down. We decided to go with the first down, and so I did. 503-417-7575. Mario Cristobal crystallizing the last few moments. You either were going to punt or you were going to go for the first down. So we went for the first down. And I have a hard time blaming him. Poor C.J. Ferdell. You got to execute there. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Neil, where? Yeah, because you're not, not going to like this question, but where should the blame go? Where should the blame go? To the team. I mean, to the team. It, it was a team destruction, really, in the second half from offensive line miscues, the center snap, some misreads, some miscoaching, defensive breakdowns. You still had a chance, again, to me, defensively, you're up by 10. And with 4.20 to play, but within a minute 20, uh, K.J. Costello takes them down in three plays. In three plays, 
hits J.J. Arceta Whiteside. And I told you. Yeah. I told you, guy. Well, this guy's a beast. Yep. I said, beast. he plays like he's 6'7". You said You're it. You're all kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No. Guy beasted it up, made a sweet little, we call it a little jab for a shallow, runs the, runs the fade, and that's all they do inside the 15, 20-yard line is fades. Fades, fades, fades. And they hit it, and now all of a sudden it's 31-27, 28, ball game. So the blame should go around everybody. The defense had a chance to make some big stops. They didn't. But bottom line is, they had a chance. You got the ball. It's Kansas plan, 25-yard line. And they throw, play call-wise, they throw a couple fades and back shoulders to Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell's not the 6'5", big-body guy. And everybody's going to, I don't know, we're going to call her in or something, talked about the officials. You know, that was a little 50-50 call with the hand on. Amadi there, I'm a Debu, number 11, who was the corner. I thought it was an okay non-call. You know, but... You know, I'm not the biggest Duck fan in the world either, but still, it was a non-call, and they didn't execute. So at that point, you wanted Justin Herbert and that offense to execute to tie the game. They didn't. I have a feeling Matt in Portland disagrees. What's up, Matt? Yeah, I disagree a bit here. Uh, It shouldn't even come to any of that because we scored that touchdown right before the fourth quarter. should have been 31-7. to Um it was obvious. It was an obvious touchdown. I don't understand why you guys aren't upset with officiating here. And then after that, Bryce Love does the same thing, but not as obvious of a touchdown. It was like, it was like we're in Austin Stadium, but Stanford's getting home cooking. And then, in overtime, with the obvious, obvious pass interference, should have put us on the one-yard line. We... We're David and Goliath. Yes, they're a better team than we are. But we should have won that game, and we didn't get the chance. I appreciate that call, Matt. He is uh, disappointed with the officiating. Here's an important distinction. Because though they looked similar, Jalen Red's play at the pylon and Bryce's Love's play at the pylon were not the same play. Bryce Love did cross the plane before making contact with the pylon. So he's in for the touchdown. <laughs> Poor Jalen Red. By rule. By rule. By we, rule. We looked up the rule. <laughs> we literally looked up the rule, and the rule says, college rules say, if you hit the pylon, you're out of bounds. And therefore, it's treated by where the ball is when you're out of bounds. Jalen Red's foot hit the pylon while the ball was at about the three-quarter yard line, and therefore the ball is at the three-quarter yard line. Yeah, so don't get upset at that missed call because that is the correct it's call. It's the then. correct By the call. rule, and you and I were sitting here, Matt, believe me, I was like, that's a touchdown. But, see, we watched too much NFL. Well, in the we, NFL, we watch, it's different. We watched too much NFL. You're right. And we get confused on high school rules, college rules, NFL rules. So there's way too much Sunday. But here's the bottom line, Matt. They still had first and goal from the, the – Half the yard line. Exactly. You had first and goal. Exactly. So you tell me Oregon can't have three or four plays to score from the one-yard line? But no. They do something they've been doing since the middle of April. It's a handoff drill. It's mesh period. Mesh period means we're going to work on handoffs. And you do it over and over and over and over so things like this don't happen. But guess what? These are human beings playing. They're 18, 19, 20-year-old guys playing. And... Mistakes happen. Worst possible situation, and it happened. Worst possible situation, and uh, 
the man who capitalized on it unbelievably so was Joey Alfieri <laughs> of Portland, Oregon. High snap again. Herbert stumbling around. Can't pick it up in the corner of the off and running. Alfieri, the Oregon native, is going to scoop and score to give the Cardinal life. Enormous, enormous replay review that took the touchdown off the board. And now it's the Cardinal defense that finds the end zone. Wow. That play undoubtedly changed the game. Down to Grant's Pass we go to Mel. What's up, Mel? Hello. Well, thank you for having me on. And hi to Neil Lomax. I used to watch him play. He's a great player. And appreciate talking to you. Yeah, I'm a real Duck fan, and I think they are a much better team than Stanford, especially on offense. And I think their defense is probably better, you know, Love had about 70 yards, and uh, it was just freaky night. Balls were bouncing everywhere, and they couldn't get a break. Stanford got real lucky, and that happens. But far and away, I will make you a bet. From here on out, who's going to win more games, Oregon or Stanford? You've got to bet all the money you own. Who are you going to take? Neil? Well, number one, I wouldn't bet all the money I own. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I put 20 down, I, but I agree with, with Mel. And Mel, thanks for, for uh, calling in. Uh, I do agree with that. I think Oregon has a chance to win out. We have a special quarterback. We. The, Oregon has a special quarterback. It's, they don't come along that often. And, we're, and the Duck fans are very spoiled with what's happened here uh, with this program, with this team, last 15, 20 years. We were talking about some of the quarterbacks that come through here ever since my – my buddy Billy Musgrave and Chris Miller and then Joey Harrington, and all of a sudden you're going on. Dennis Dixon, Darren Thomas, Mazzoli. I mean, you go on and on. Let's don't just talk about Marcus Mariota, the, the Heisman Trophy winner. It's now Justin Herbert. So there's been a amazing run of quality play at that position. And I shouldn't be saying this because I'm tooting my own home. That, that is the most, most important position offensively on a football team. Is that quarterback? No and Oregon's got a real special one, and I agree. They they have a better chance of winning out than Stanford does. Justin Herbert and Shane Lemieux shared the postgame podium moments ago. Let's listen to some of that. Momentum, and obviously, I assume it's a game you guys thought you had won. Yeah, it was a it was a fun experience for sure to just just to be out there with the guys, and and uh, it was a great game. And unfortunately, it didn't bounce our way, but I'm not going to let that define us. And and we'll be back. We'll be back at it this week. Right-hand side, Sky. Shane, you're one of the leaders on this team. After a loss like that, everyone's going to kind of lean on the leaders to, to get this back on the right track. Did you have any words for the team in the locker room, or did anybody step up and say anything? I mean, um, this is a veteran. I mean, I mostly talk just the O-line, but we're a veteran O-line, and uh, we've been through a lot of scenarios when there have been ups and downs. But I know for a fact that no one in Berkeley is going to feel sorry for us and that we got to have a quick, you know, we got to wipe this game really fast. You know, I'm already thinking about Cal right now. You know, it's this game's over with, and there's nothing we can do now except for go beat Cal. Wow. Front left, Matt. How do you say that? Justin, what can you make of Dylan's performance? It's one of the best in school history at receiver. I know it's – you trade a win for it, but what, what can you make for up for him and, and tonight? He's a guy that has just been solid since the day he showed up, and and uh, it doesn't really surprise me to see the numbers that he puts up, and and he's a guy that just makes plays in practice, so it it, it translates really well into games, and and uh, I'm glad he had a great game today, and and uh, 
try and get a win out of it next time. Obviously, from being uh, from here, Justin, you've seen this stadium at its best with atmospheres growing up just as a kid and watching some of the other quarterbacks do what they did and what you did tonight. Just talk about the atmosphere, Otson, Roland, college game day, kind of how that felt to finally get to be on that stage. Yeah, it's, it's a special stage for sure. I think uh, Oregon's got some of the best fans in the, in the country, and, and they really showed it tonight. And, and uh, unfortunately, things didn't bounce our way, but um, we'll get back after it, and, and uh, we're learning from it for sure. Steve. Justin, you spread to so many receivers during the non-conference games. You know that when it got to conference, Dylan was going to kind of emerge as, as the main guy for you. I think Dylan just did a great job of getting open today. Um, he's a guy that 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 we trust, and and uh, we've got complete confidence in him. So he's he was able to make a bunch of plays today, and and uh, a bunch of the other guys made some plays too. So um, I think just getting the ball to the to the open receiver is the big big thing. Back right, Bree. Shane, Coach Cristobal's talked a lot about winning the battle in the trenches and increased physicality. Do you feel like tonight was a good showing of Oregon football 2.0? Yeah, I think today was a really good test of physicality, and I think that, you know, we won up front. Obviously, it wasn't enough to win the game, but I think we did a really good job with time of possession. Uh, I don't know if we had more rushing yards. I think we had about 180, 178 or something like that, but I don't know what Stanford had. But I think we did pretty well up front for the most part. I think uh, pass protection, we could have done a little better. I think Justin got hit a few times, but overall, I think we did good up front. Yeah, Justin, you guys were a few inches away from being up 31-7, to and then, of course, late in the game, you could have iced it, and there was a fumble. Are you, you said it was kind of a fun experience. Are you a little bit stunned right now that you guys lost this game? Yeah, unfortunately, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times, and and uh, we we did everything we could to just give Stanford the game, and and uh, unfortunately, things didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. Um, but we're gonna stick together, and, and we're not letting it define us. Well, there you have it—the post-game reaction of Justin Herbert and Shane Lemieux. And I, Neil, I'm still shocked. I'm still shocked. It's an hour and a half after the game. I, I still don't know how this happened. And, I, you know, I was driving over to meet you to watch the second half of this football game, thinking in my head, Oregon's back, baby. Oregon's back. Looks like, looks like an Oregon team. You, you go, wow, you told oh, wow, it looks, looks like Oregon. You were watching the TV, you say, <laughs> hey, this, this team reminds me of Oregon. And I chuckled because of the irony, but you're right. This team reminded you of one of those overwhelming, like really elite duck teams. And then the second half happened. Yeah, and Shane Lemieux talked about the trenches and the big boys up front, and maybe we won the rushing war. Yeah, I think you did. He rushed for almost 180 yards as a team. I mean, C.J. Vardell, you know, one bad one there, but he carried the ball 20 times for 115 yards. And Bryce Love was only 19 carries for 89 yards, and Stanford rushed the ball for only 71 yards. So you, you take, again, that's the problem with statistics. They don't win football games. So here's the one that really does, though. Zero turnovers. Stanford does not throw a pick. Stanford does not turn over in a fumble. But Oregon, the crucial situation, second half, two fumbles. And that, that was just huge in a game like this because, like, as Justin Herbert said, we shot ourselves in the foot. Well, we gave two away. And they took advantage of those two turnovers and turned them both into touchdowns. Thank you. When you saw David Shaw with Stanford, <laughs> he is now 45-6. and six when winning the turnover battle. We said in the pregame, you got to win the turnover battle. Stanford won the turnover battle. Stanford won the football game. More of your reaction at 503-417-7575. Neil Omax and Shooter Newby on the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. We got you uh, for another half hour or so, and then Peter Sampson takes you up till midnight here on 1029-750, the game. 
Welcome to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax, presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. They rush four. Herbert, plenty of time, throws across the middle, batted up, intercepted, and Stanford stages a stunning comeback victory at Oxen Stadium. That was the call on ABC with Chris Fowler. Riddle me this. That would be my headline in the uh, in the paper the next day. Riddle me this. Justin Herbert, in regulation, went 25 of 27 for 335 yards. 25 of 27 in regulation. So it was 25 for 27. Yeah. That's fact. Yeah, and then so, he went one for eight in overtime. Right, so he does tie then. So I was talking about this in the third quarter about percentages. I'm not a big stat guy, but at that point, he needed like two more completions to tie Rick Neuheisel's all-time Pac-12 record for a percentage if you have to throw over 20 times. Rick he, Neuheisel. Yeah, 1983 for UCLA. That's your boy. Yeah, no, he's not my boy. He's a pretty boy. <laughs> I don't like He's a pretty boy. Too pretty. Uh, 25 for 27. So, Justin, 25 for I did not know. I thought he was 24 for 28. So, you got the complete stat it before I am the look, game. I'm looking at uh, Rob Mosley, who's the official right. GoDucks.com writer, had... Herbert in the regulation. In regulation, 25 of 27 for 331 yards, and then one of six in overtime for 15 yards. So he finished 26 of 33 for 346. Yeah, a couple of play calling there. I don't. I didn't like those fades. But come on, you, you can't do that against air, folks. Seriously. We even do seven-on-seven seven drills, which is just, you know, no one's rushing. You got your five receivers against seven defensive backs. Seven-on-seven, seven, they call it. You can't do that against air, against seven-on-seven. Seven. There's just... You're human, or someone drops it. Everybody's complaining about the Ducks' receivers dropping balls. They dropped too many balls. Maybe one. It was incredible to see the efficiency of this team. Yeah, they didn't put 40 on them, but they could have, like we said. But uh, hey, turnovers, you know, again, where where do you pick this apart? It was a bad day overall for Oregon college teams because my Vikings went down to Montana State at Hillsborough Stadium. That ticks me off. That's big, true, man. Big sky loss. And then you Beaver fans. You got Arizona come to town. They're not very well. Khalil Tate, he's hurt, has a bum ankle. He's not going to do anything. Who in the heck is J.J. Taylor? The dude, I mean, you think Bryce Love is good. J.J. Taylor had a career rushing day. The Beaver fans know who J.J. So, bottom line is, Judah, 0 for 3 in all home games. All home games, and we, we lose 3. That's a great point because, honestly, coming into this day, Neil, in the back of my head, I was thinking this is going to be a a celebratory day, I think, for Oregon football. And I think Portland State's going to compete with Montana State. You know, and I wasn't sure about anything there, of course. I picked Oregon State to beat Arizona. I did. I think a lot of people did. We both talked about that at lunch the other day, that we we felt they would beat Arizona because Arizona can't find who they are. Who are they? Kevin Sumlin's worried about what sunglasses you're going to wear, and it's overcast and 62 degrees in Corvallis. <laughs> you, you, come on. <laughs> well, and Khalil Tate is 70%. Exactly. He has the, a bum ankle. The Beaver defense showed resilience in the second half at Nevada. And, you know, you were thinking this – well, vibes I, were good. Juju was good. Go, you know, students on campus, Jonathan Smith, first conference game at home. This is the time. This is the time. You want to root for a guy like Jonathan Smith. 
Jonathan Smith put up a clunker. I mean, his players put up a clunker. His players did. Exactly. They didn't look, that, they didn't look ready for this game, no, though. No. They didn't look ready. And that's got to come on the coach. I mean, that's what's disappointing. I want to buy into Jonathan Smith, and I sure as heck want to buy into Mario Cristobal. But they both warrant criticism today. And there's no other way around it. But you know what? That's football. You can't be perfect every game, right, Neil? What? I mean, here, here's a question for well, you. Like, well, you can be really, really well when you schedule three cupcakes yeah. in the first three weeks at home. See, you this, don't this like again, that. This is another one. I, I just want to bring up the conversation. Right. I want those guys who have a higher pay grade than I do to help me answer that. Would, would you do that again? You know, would you, University of Oregon, would you schedule three schools that you know you're going to wipe out and your team, your star quarterback, your Key players will not even play in the fourth quarter. Okay, a counter-argument. Texas A&M pulled out. That's uh, how you got Portland State. Uh, okay, okay, there's one. Okay, that's... But uh, your, your point still, is well taken. I mean, uh, but here's the thing. Even the second counter-argument. In the first half, it didn't seem like there was any rust from playing three cupcakes. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but your point is My taken. Point is, the fourth quarter okay. matters. Here it comes, and it's a ball game now. And you made a couple mistakes, like you did against Bowling Green, like you did against San Jose State. You weren't quite sharp. But San Jose State doesn't have these players and this coach that understands how to put a team together. And you saw a really good football team take advantage of those mistakes with a great, experienced coach. And I got to love it, though. Joey Joey Alferrari. I mean, I just got those 40, the whole 40 family members. He got, he gave, well, he got to buy like 40 tickets. They had their own little section up there. And that's so. I just think that's so cool. That That's a highlight for me for a local kid to scoop and score like that. That's just a special moment, not just for him, for his entire family. It's a moment he'll never forget. And Nor should he. Nor should he. <laughs> and I think of a guy like Cam Scarlett, who won a couple of state titles at Central Catholic. And he was playing in this game, too, and... He threatened a couple kick returns. He got a couple touches. You know, Stanford gave Cam Scarlett the ball on fourth and inches in their film yeah. with form- formation, and Oregon stopped him. And I keep going back to that moment because at that point, it was still a big-time football game. It was a three-point game. We looked at each other at fourth and inches. We said, Stanford's going for this. You know mm-hmm. they are. This is Stanford football. But then Oregon stopped him. Yeah. And I swear, Neil, at that point, it felt like the tide was going to change. Especially the next possession, a huge conversion. Uh, It's about 10 minutes left. It's third and five again. And Herbert throws an absolute dime to score in the sidelines. Pick ups the first down. But then they get to a fourth and one situation. They do. Cristobal goes for it. Calls the timeout. Didn't like the coverage. They come back with a little play action. And what a nice little drop-off pass that Justin hit uh, Dylan Mitchell for 15 yards and got down to the the one-yard line again, remember? And all of a sudden, uh (laughs) uh-oh, it's the one-yard line, but they pounded that one in. For Duck fans that are angry at Mario Cristobal in this game, can you articulate where he might deserve criticism and where he shouldn't deserve criticism, Neil? I know it's still close to the fact, but I know you can kind of cut through the bull crap here. You can cut through it because players play, coaches don't play, right? He calls the run on second and three because he wants the damn first down. He would have got the damn first down if his running back holds on to the football. So, but, but he wasn't perfect in this game either. 
you know, so where, where in your mind could Mario Cristobal done a better job in his first Pac-12 game as a head coach, and where do you think he was okay? Well, he's going to look at this, too, and look at the film several times from several angles and question himself, and Marcus Orell will do the same thing. Jim Levitt will do the same thing. Believe me, that's what you do as coaches. I've been doing this a long time, coaching high school. Call, you go through the film and go, oh, my God, bad call there, bad call there. Now, the call might have been okay, but it, you, you don't have the best situation to let your team execute. That's the thing. You want to make sure you make the best play call so they can execute in that situation. So most of the time, 9 out of 10 times, it's not the play. It's just poor execution. I mean, they didn't call a fumble snap. They didn't call Hanson. Why don't you go ahead? Hey, by the way, Jake, why don't you snap it over his head this time? Or, hey, you know, CJ, why don't you go ahead and fumble it so we can go to overtime? It's better for TV ratings. No, they're not, they're not doing that. But Mark, I coach Crystal Ball will be the worst critic, his own worst critic. He's not tear apart. My thing is this. Would you do the same thing next week against Cal? If you had this lead, would you take a knee? Or would you still go, oh, I just want to run it downhill? Sounds good in press conference. Always going to run it downhill. Are you going to run it downhill? I think you would run it downhill again. Okay. Wouldn't you? No. Why not? I wouldn't. Well, if that's the math, if that's truly the math well, at that time, and you have someone tell you, if we take a knee, yeah. they have one timeout, it'll be 15 seconds. You punt, though. 15 seconds, and you punt. Would you rather punt to the other team with 15 seconds, or would you rather finish with the ball in your hands? Because well, the, the ball was in the, what, the 45-yard line? So you're going to punt it down inside their 10, inside their 15. Now, I'm not trying to be a skate. Again, I, I don't want to. He's the head coach. And I've been in situations myself in high school and everything else that I second-guessed myself more than anybody else. Other people did. How come you didn't do it? Yeah. So, hey, it's early, too. Give Jonathan Smith a break. It's early. It's only the fourth week. It's his first year with these guys. I still think this team has a chance to win out. So let's talk about this four or five weeks down the road here, especially against Washington, because they got to go to Cal next week. And then they have a bye, and then they have the Huskies at home. Well, I, I totally agree. Very early. I just I wish that we could have been talking about a big Oregon win. I, maybe that's me being selfish. But I wish, because these early September games – they have a way of shaping the narrative for the rest of the year. They just do. That's the effect of September. Yeah, and, and you asked Washington that with Auburn, right? Yep. Yep. They played a, quote, BCS bowl game week one. How that, how's that going to translate as we go down here? And they're right here struggling with Arizona State at home. Exactly. This yeah. late game. We don't and, know what these teams are in September, technically. We really don't. you got to throw out the AP rankings. You're never sure. Wisconsin loses. They, you know, they lose the physical war to BYU. Right, then they barely hang around with Iowa today. You know, we don't know what these teams are. Until what, October? You know, we, we'll probably know what Oregon is for real based on their first road game. <laughs> they haven't even been on the road yet. Haven't even been on the road yet. Yeah, in week five. So, And you got Stanford at Notre Dame, and right now so that's a number 17 playing under 18. Would you be surprised if, if Notre Dame beats them by 14, 20 points? Well, Notre Dame started yeah. a new quarterback yeah. today, and he is really good. Ian Book, he is better than Brandon Wimbush. So, no, I would not be surprised if Notre right. Dame beat Stanford. That's a tough place to play, going to South Bend yeah. on NBC, national TV again. But, again, it's Coach Shaw. It's Coach Shaw and those Stanford boys. That would be a good matchup. But you also got, on the Friday night game, you got Chip Kelly and those Bruins. They're going to Boulder, right? That's right. Going to Boulder. Both teams play coming Colorado. Up yep. Uh, by the way, Doug Flutie, color analyst on those NBC games. Doug was great. Neil, you could do a better job than Doug Flutie. I'm just saying. Why? What do you? I don't like Doug Flutie because he's short. I'm short. I well, love. Then, so what do you? What are you bashing Doug Flutie? I just haven't learned any football from him. Really? 
Yeah, I've learned football from you. Well, let me give him a call, and I'll tell him that. If, if, a lot of guys aren't calling me back. <laughs> I got no guys number, but a lot of guys just aren't. A lot of guys aren't calling me back. I, I'm really disappointed. I was like 0 for three today with 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 Lee Corso, Kurt Herbstreit. I mean, come on. Well, even well, Steve Dills. I want to get a Stanford quarterback on here. I can't even get Steve Dills. All right. How well, bad am I, man? Before we God. go to break, let's go down to Phoenix and check in with Tom. Tom, where do you side on all this Oregon Stanford reaction? Hey guys, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yep. Tom. I'm on speaker and I'm in my swimming pool right now. <laughs> it's really nice out here. Hey Tom, we can't. Uh, we, we're gonna hang up yeah, right now, Tom. Right. I don't. Bad. I don't like guys calling me if in, you're in Tempe or something. It's 95 uh, degrees in your swimming pool. You know, Neil, we have a lot in common. Actually, I grew up in St. Louis. I uh, lived in Portland for years, and I just retired to Phoenix and. Uh, Actually, I went to school with you there in Portland State. I even played near mural basketball with you a little bit. So, and we were good, weren't we, back in those days? How good were we? We were awesome, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, anyway, <laughs> a lot of history, but it's kind of funny. You Did you play for Phoenix? Uh, did you play in Phoenix also with the Cardinals? I know you played in St. Louis. Did you play in Phoenix? I did. We all we all moved oh. down there in 1988. Went from 88 to 91 down there. I thought you did. Okay, cool. I just have one take on the game, guys. Um, I think, to tell you the truth, I was really discouraged about the first few games Oregon played. And, you know, tonight, I, I wasn't. I thought they played pretty good. And it's kind of encouraging to see that they got some potential. Maybe they kind of made a bad, few bad plays, you know. But let's look at the whole picture. They got a lot of great recruits coming in. And, you know, um, I'm not that totally pessimistic about it. They blew it. I realize that. But, you know, they, they got some good things going. You know, they, they really do. So, um, and if, if we can get Hebert to stay around for another year, I think they'd be next year with all the good recruits they got coming in. They could be really good, you know. Let's look at it that way. I appreciate the call, Tom, and, uh, you know, wish I was down there in a jacuzzi in Phoenix as well. Yeah, so he just dropped his phone in the pool and chlorine messed up. He's got to go buy a new one tomorrow. Former PSU guy around your time, though, you know, shout out. You're talking about how much you love Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. There you go. You were going right back there. You know, I admire the ability to to separate immediate reaction from big picture thinking because that's not something I do very well. You know, fan is short for fanatic. We're reactionary. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so intellectually, I know Tom's right. I know you're right when you say this Oregon team is is – They've got seeds of some of greatness. Would you say that they have seeds of greatness this year? Not even seeds. They are. They're they're a very good football team, and they showed it offensively. Uh, they played a, another good football team. It's for that exact reason why this loss is so hard to yeah, take. Yeah, it is. And again, we say if you play like in the NFL, if you played them again, and that's what happens in the NFL in the same league, the same conference. You play them twice. You played Stanford two or three times. I think Oregon could beat them two out of three times. I really do. Uh, they showed it today, and, and not just potential or their recruits coming in. They got a damn good team right now. They do. And if they can flush this, God bless them. I love what Shane Lemieux said. I'm already thinking about Cal. I don't know if I believe that, but that's a great thing to say. Some Bill Belichick would say, we're <laughs> on to Cincinnati. We're on to the final segment of the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Neil Lomax, Judah Newby, you can call in at 503-417-7575. Are you encouraged by this brutal loss? 503-417-7575. Final segment coming up next on 1029-750 The Game. Love. 
Through the middle. Bryce Love. Hitting the end zone. Just dances in. Finally, they signal touchdown. All right, final segment of the Oregon College Football Postgame Show alongside Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. You can call in at 503-417-7575. Somehow, a couple of callers already in the show have said that they were encouraged by tonight's game for the Oregon Ducks, saying that it was a good thing just to see how well they played. I mean, is that where we're at with this team? <laughs> Let's go to Canby. Chuck's in Canby. Chuck, your reaction? Yeah, well, uh, I had an ob- observation uh, specifically with the uh, pass coverage, mm-hmm. and one was the tight ends always had a free release, and we always know, I mean, Stanford's passing game doesn't seem super sophisticated. And the other thing is, is when they put their wide outs, like Whiteside, the big guy, on the outside, and he had some big catches in the second half, we had our corners right up on him, but we didn't. Why? We know what he's running. They're like Lomax was saying, they're running phase at the end zone. Why is he so tight? And then why are the tight ends not getting uh, bumped off the line of scrimmage? I didn't understand that because you kind of knew what they were going to throw and who they were going to, and it happened. At least I was able to see that before it even happened. I was just wondering why our DBs weren't, uh, well, why they were playing the way they were, I guess. Neil? Well, Number one, you mix up coverages. You don't do the same thing over and over, but I, I understand what you're talking about. We talk, call it a chip. You chip or you at least get a hand on uh, a release of a tight end who's next to the tackle. But these these tight ends, uh, when you talk about Kobe Parkinson, Caden Smith, they're not next to the tackles. They widen out on the hashes. So if you're going to put a hand on them, that means you have to widen out Justin Hollins. You have to widen out Lamar Winston. Troy Dye has to widen out. Or a corner or, or Nick Pickett's got to come out. In. So you widen them out. If you widen them out, they're going to check to a run. That's what ha- they'll check to run. Now you only have five, four or five guys in the box. They want you to go out there and put a chipper or put a hand on it. So if you go cover zero, which means I'll just go man to man press. And Oregon did that a couple times. You do that, you have a chance now to get bodied out. Those guys have been doing. Stanford's been doing this not just this year, but for what seven, eight, nine years. I gave you that crazy stat about they got like five current. Tight ends right now in the NFL. No question. And have six of them drafted in the last four years. But. This is what they bring in, and it's so hard. That was a great It's a great call, though, about should you put a hand on them? Should you stay back? And that's what the Jim Levette, that's why they pay him, what, $1.7 million? Yeah. So, Highest at, paid D.C. in the country. <laughs> that's a good call, Chuck and Camby. I appreciate that. Yeah. Justin's on I-5. What's up, Justin? I, it, I mean, I... I've been a season ticket holder for almost a quarter of a, a century now, and tonight was demoralizing. But I wanted to quickly give the, the, the great, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, great tonight was the environment inside that stadium. Uh, that was the first time in several years that it felt like the old Austin was back, and it was a great feeling. Uh, the bad is a tie between our, our cornerback play and just the Pac-12 officials being Pac-12 officials. The ugly part was the fans that decided to throw garbage onto the field, not only when the two pass interference calls weren't made in overtime, but as the officials were leaving the field. And no matter how bad things get, you should never throw garbage on the field. But that's the one thing that does worry me about the university bringing alcohol into Austin Stadium. It's not the fact that they're providing alcohol. 
fact that they do provide beer in aluminum cans that become projectiles. And all I see in my mind is Arizona and Oregon from the 2009 Rose Bowl run all over again. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Justin. We haven't actually brought that up, but Neil, I was seeing this on Twitter. It does look like as Stanford players were exiting the field, going to the locker room, Duck fans were throwing that's, bottles. 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 Yep. Not not the aluminum cans no. that uh, Mike was talking about. Yeah. But that, that's just so sad, and that is. I'm, I'm glad he brought that up, man. That was an article written for both Oregon and Oregon State, what two weeks ago. Yep. And old Canzano talked about it too, about well, how's this going to impact these games. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the good, bad, and the ugly. And that's sad. That's what you're talking about. After the game, you're blaming. After the game, you're shaming the officials and players from Stanford. It was a hard-fought game, great game, and respect the players in the arena. That's what I can't stand. These people have never been in the arena before. I think they had the right to do what they. That, that's. I'm so glad. It's it's more than ugly. It's just despicable. The uh, you know as we're signing off here in a moment, Josiah Carrera spinning it behind the glass. Josiah, you've been to a lot of these games as a Duck fan, as a student, not all that long ago. I mean, I I know you were shaking your head when we brought that up uh, with fans throwing bottles at the players. Uh, on one hand, you can't be surprised, but on the other hand, I mean, are you surprised? I well, I saw it on Twitter like an hour ago, and I commented on it. I'm absolutely embarrassed as a Duck fan. You can't have that. You can't have that. I know the refs missed calls. I know it was a highly contested game, highly emotional game, but you can't have that. You just can't do that. And the the listener made a good point with the alcohol being in Autzen now. Does that contribute to this? Um, yeah. But like you were asking, if I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised, but each and every fan base has a group of 5% of just idiotic fans that do stuff like that. So That's a good point. I mean, well, well, well how are you allowing bottles in the stadium? I was outlawed years ago, and I was in Philadelphia one game, man, and you, you do not take off your helmet in Philadelphia. Jeez. I don't care what the rules are. Snowballs, bottles, and all of a sudden the league outlawed no bottles of any kind. Now, maybe they sneak them in, but um, Mr. Sai, that's a good point. I mean, that's, it's just, just so disrespectful. And I think that only represents 5 or 10%. Um, the, the students are back, though, right? So the students are back. There you go. I mean, what are you guys going to do? Throw bottles at Jake Hansen because he had the bad snaps? Is that what you guys going to do? That's Yeah. See? No. There's a double standard there. Right. No question about it. Hey, before we go, you had an insight on Jake Hansen's couple of troubles with, with the snaps when we were watching it. And uh, there's something you brought up that I don't think anybody else really would be able to know in, unless they played the game. But what what were those insights when you see him struggling with a couple of those snaps in the shotgun? I, I don't think anybody understands unless you have played that position or you're a quarterback of what, of what he has to do on certain assignments to block down. We call it a gap down backer. Meaning he has to go way gap down or a, if the guy's could be a yard or two yards away, we call it in a three technique. He might have to go down and actually make a block to take that 45-degree or a 75. I mean, it's difficult. And you know a blitzer's coming. A lot of times that does affect how you snap the ball. Now, is he going to use that excuse? He won't. But I've seen some of these centers. Man, when they're going to pick up a blitz, they flinch a little bit, and at times it does cause for a miscue. So I'm going I'm to give him credit that this, guy, this guy's a great player. They're going to overcome it. And they're going to get better for it. All right, last thing. I like what the caller just had. Good, bad, and ugly from this game. 
let's take a good, let's take a bad, and let's take an ugly. Neil, where do you start with your good in this game for Oregon? Just offensive efficiency and, and, and the athletes again. And Justin Herbert being the facilitator, throwing it, running it. You were worried about him running the ball. Yeah, you know, everybody else, I'm sure his mom's worried about him running too. But he's going to run it. That's what he does. So that was the good. The bad, just not making the plays defensively when they had to. They didn't. They had some chances overall defensively. They had some chances to stop those receivers. A lot of lob balls. And that's what I call them. A lot of little fades. They had a lot of chances to knock those down. And those, okay, give Stanford credit. But that still was bad. Ugly, you didn't finish the turnovers. That was the ugly. The turnovers cost you, and you couldn't finish because you gave the ball away. My good, Dylan Mitchell. 14 catches for 239 yards. That's got to be close to a record, singer game record, Pac-12 record. I, that's got to oh, be. I haven't seen that, that yet. I'm going to be following people, see if that uh, can get confirmed. But 239 yards. He does not get into the end zone, but, man, he did just about everything else. 14 for 239. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. The bad is the fact that Justin Herbert won't get Heisman consideration because they lost the game. That It's my Heisman narrative. You can be really, really talented. You can be the most talented. But if your team loses three or four games, you won't be considered. Oregon needed to win this game for Justin Herbert's Heisman chances. They lost the game on the biggest stage, and therefore, though he was... 25 of 27 in regulation. Are you kidding me? Now we won't be considered for the Heisman because they lost the game. That's my bad because it's irrational, but it's reality. And my ugly, I mean, fan reaction, sure, yeah. Oh, man, I don't really know if I have an, have an ugly. It's got to be the Verdell fumble, I think, in the end. Yeah. It's the Verdell yeah, fumble. And, you know, that's, I'm not even going to put that on Cristobal. I would actually, if I'm the head coach... I you brought that up, Neil. Would you do it again next week for Cal? I would okay. because it's my philosophy, right? And, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just want him to right. answer that question. Would yeah. you do that? Would you do that? Would you learn from that situation and would you do that again? Mm-hmm. And but the way you put it, hey man, putting the opponent back inside their ten with 15 seconds to go, I could see someone doing that too. Absolutely. But if you know, I could totally see Mario just thinking. I'm here to instill physicality. I'm here to instill confidence. We're going to finish with the damn football on our hands when it goes to zero. Well, that's because he has a different headset on than we do, okay? His headset on and the game means a lot more than the dang headsets we got. So I'm going to give him all the credit. We like the guy. It's just, a, it's just so fun to watch this Oregon team play and, and to think about they actually lost this game. Man. That's the hard one you're driving up. Are you kidding me? Gut punch. <laughs> Neil, it was a lot of fun today. Always though. is. Next week, we got a late one. Late yeah, kick, man. man. 5.30 for the uh, or for the countdown to God. kickoff show. Man, we're going to be waiting around all day. We might have to play some pickup football or something to get into it, you know. I'll run some routes. You throw some passes, get warmed up for the show. Then we'll have the postgame show next week as well. Promos all week as well. Peter Sampson's rolling on in here next. He's got you till midnight. Ducks lose brutally in overtime. 38-31. It's Oregon College Football postgame show on the game.